Allie. Hey, Jen. My name is Sage, and I just listened to your vampire show the other day, and I wanted to tell you the story about how I was in New Orleans one time with my boyfriend, and we were in a vampire store and got invited to a vampire speakeasy by the store owner. She had her teeth filed down and everything, and she was super friendly. We didn't end up going to the vampire speakeasy because I was under 21 at the time, but I just don't know what I would have expected. I mean, don't know why they would have invited us to a vampire speakeasy. It was a little creepy at the time, but it was awesome to hear all the real information about vampires in your episode that was super interesting so thank you guys i love your show and i definitely tell as many people as i can about it whenever i get the chance bye you're listening to two girls one podcast produced by the daily dot a show the new york times calls quote that's nice but we're kind of busy with this whole donald trump thing right now please stop emailing us and quote and now your hosts straight out of cyberspace allison goldberg and jennifer jamula Hey guys, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Allie just made a funny noise. Did y'all hear that? I had to finish up the song. Can I do it again, just in case they didn't hear it? Nope. (laughs) So we have a live comedy show called Bloglogs, where we perform internet material on stage. This is not that show. It's not. This is a podcast. (laughs) So we've spent way too much time on the internet for that live comedy show. So in this podcast, in every episode, we find something crazy on the interwebs, Mm -hmm. and then we contact the writer or moderator, whoever it is, and we interview that person. Yeah. So you've been down an internet wormhole. We go down that wormhole and we bring up a lot of shit. A lot of worms. Actually, this episode might be safe for work. Most are not, but this one probably is because today... You just said shit. Oh. Is that not safe for work? Like, this shit is safe for work. Where do you work? You I don't can't even hear shit. the profanities Balls anymore. cock is fine. Yeah. I'm just saying our interview subject is not fucking foul today i think <laughs> i still am that's fine you should know that yeah if you've listened to this podcast before you know let's be honest we don't even know what safer work is because we don't have normal yeah jobs. we don't i thought that yeah. shit was safe for work <laughs> So this might be safe for work because today we're talking to a moderator of our science. Science. Woo. I am so excited that we're bringing science back. (laughs) It went out for a while. It did. It's still out, unfortunately, but we are here on a crusade to bring back science because I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, what's heartening about this is it is a community driven forum. So it's all these good humans who do believe in science. It's a lot of them. No, but here's what we need to correct. Yeah. Putting the word believe in the same sentence as science. Oh, that's true. I totally understand what you just did. Yeah. Because that's how we talk. But semantically, we need to focus and not say believe in science. Science is a fact. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to understand and acknowledge the fact effectivity right <laughs> not like the church of science, science. yeah you know what I mean? well there's right. the church of scientology there, so there's that. <laughs> Something you else. know what i mean you can believe yeah. in creationism right but but science, science is, is like fact. it's you it's you are it's science you, you are science <laughs> I, am I am science you can are I, um, science oh, first of all thanks for introducing me talking Matt. Can I? Can uh, I do, this happens his every name time. Is Matt. He has no name. His name is Matt. Hey guys, I'm the producer. Hey, of the show. Matt. Matt. Um, can I do a quick mansplain? Yes, please. Oh uh, no, you can't do a quick, <laughs> a quick mansplain. I'm curious to hear what he wants to say. Uh. Just a quick. <laughs> okay. I love everything you're saying. Yeah. I'm behind it 100. percent But science is a process, not a fact. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I understand that it's a process. I'm also going to refer to it as fact, okay? <laughs> got it. It's your show. Scientific process. You make a hypothesis, then you got to like prove that shit, blah, blah, blah. I remember middle school. Anyway. But doesn't it lead, doesn't the process lead to facts to or fact. things that well, we consider well, fact? Well, right. No, no, no. Yeah. But a lot, a lot of science, it's like what we know at that time, and then later theories will disprove it. Mm-hmm. I just think our society's going a little too far talking about belief versus like things that are proven. And on the internet, people think that they are experts because they have a loud opinion and a following. Right. And that is not an expert. Right. Someone with a PhD might be an expert, right? So mm-hmm. like, honestly, I don't really have too much of an opinion on climate change, but I'm gonna go with whatever the PhDs are telling me because they are actually studying the facts behind it. <laughs> if you wanna know about weird internet shit, I'm your girl. Yeah. If you wanna know about science, go ask a fucking scientist which is what we're gonna do today if you were an internet scientist what what would your process be matt can you take us through the scientific process as a little refresher because you seem to know a lot about it mansplained it can you mansplain the scientific no, you have process a hypothesis and then you go and you like test your hypothesis and then you see if it's true or not okay so as an internet scientist how does that work i don't think it works as an internet scientist because those things don't really go together <laughs> so i'm just gonna contradict just myself I don't know. i'm just we're going in loop it's data data is plenty, plenty data. to analyze data. on the internet data. Like, data. Oh, we yeah. think we think we know i'm we're doing not a internet. data scientist <laughs> i am not yeah after we're done i'm producing two data scientists one podcast it's a really good show <laughs> so do you think having a phd makes you an expert at what i know we're gonna get into this I mean, today not, you know again then there's the caveats there as well but i think maybe, maybe the point you're trying to get to jen is like science a scientist can be wrong or like sure. a scientific process yeah. can lead you to a wrong conclusion or <laughs> a false conclusion but the process of science is the best process we have at finding yeah we gotta use factual what we information have. Yep. yeah mm-hmm. you know what i'm gonna let that explanation stay i like that you prove it i believe I in that. that don't edit yourself out there matt i yeah. never edit myself out. i know it's so disappointing i listen to the drafts and i'm like well guess who's still tugging <laughs> oh my god matt <laughs> didn't decide to edit himself out when you guys leave i record separate sections it's just oh, me <laughs> like riffing it's no, like no, no, matt wait, shower no, thoughts but, no that's actually true because matt does our little intros and so we get the drafts and you actually have recorded that's not things true no i pay yet. i pay a, a, an old-timey radio announcer to come in oh. well well you know what that's fucking artist. useless yeah. and you should just give us that money because that is not money well i couldn't spent. do but i couldn't do that i just plug in the wires all right let's give it to matt okay. he couldn't do that he couldn't, do, he couldn't do it he couldn't do it anyway so i am really excited that we are speaking with this person and i also i'm hoping for you listeners that it's a really nice juxtaposition to the um all the fetishes we've been looking <laughs> That's at true. okay so as we said today we're talking to a moderator of our science it's a reddit uh sub all about science if you're not familiar with reddit we are still very happy to have you here and so reddit is where people go and form communities on different topics and so if you go to reddit.com and look up this subreddit our science people post all kinds of interesting articles and are just generally having debates about science and you might it's really lovely it's pretty awesome you guys might have heard of amas before obama even did an ama yeah um but on this our science subreddit there are a ton of amas and it was actually established partially if not fully but we'll find out later by our guest today um where he has scientists come on who maybe are well known in their own fields but not outside of them and anybody can ask them questions and just in case you don't know what an ama is it is ask Ask me me anything anything. that's right here's what bothers me about our science because i read it often okay Every day it's like, Dutch scientists find a way to cure cancer in mice and in one year cancer will be cured. Yeah. And then a year later it's like, you still have cancer. 
Yeah. Oh. I mean, we got to ask him about that. Yeah, we do. a bit of an uphill battle. Yeah. I just wonder in those articles why they put a timeline on it. Like, do they really think within a year? Where, where are they getting that information? It's just this very, like, yeah. you know, here's what happens. Yeah. Scientists r- write studies, right? And then they're like, this is our study. And then mm-hmm. and then a media outlet will pick it up and like, cancer will be cured, guys. <laughs> so, the, so, wait, so the problem is the media outlets then, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing the, uh, that is a whole other rant about the state of journalism, yeah. which we should get into with a different guest. I think that would be interesting. But like, yeah, that everyone's just doing shit for clicks and they're like, cancer will be cured because people will click that as opposed to being like, hey, there was this study and here's what it says. Right. But I thought I had read that everything posted on our science this is not true. I thought it was peer reviewed that it had to be peer reviewed in order to post it. Yeah, we'll ask them about it. But I think yeah. the point of the mo- they're, they're a very strict uh, moderator community, so they make sure that all the articles are legit, that they're interpreting studies correctly, right. that studies are, are factual. Yeah, and so that's an awesome place to get news. Yeah, get yeah, that's really interesting. All right, guys, we got to take a quick break. Okay, Matt. But first, speaking of <laughs> science, mm-hmm. it's today's trivia. How is that speaking of science? Because Do you it's even a question. These? It's a question related to science. Okay. All right. Okay. Stick okay. with me. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. We got a little theme. Okay. We got a little theme cooking. <laughs> and uh, it's the science of audio engineering. Have you heard of MP3s? Yes. Yes, sir. Do you know the first song that was ever made into an MP3? No. <laughs> no. I'm gonna say happy birthday. I don't know. <laughs> My mind just went blank. Like I Jen's don't know what music eyes got is. So wide, like wide. she knew, but she didn't. There's a couple directions you can go. Okay. This is a, it's a technical question about right. creating, an MP3. creating an MP3. And what did they? That go could be for. it, but it's also the time in which MP3s were that developed. That was my question. Can you give us a hint about the Cindy Lauper? Okay, here I'll give you something. Here, the engineer who was developing the MP3, which is compressed audio, so it's like you have this big file of audio that is very large, but we have to compress it and make it. Thank you for mansplaining. I'm going to mansplain <laughs> compression. Kidding. Here's how man- compression works. You like you take out pieces of it that your ear doesn't need to hear. And so it streamlines the file, and then you get a much smaller file, but it still sounds good. But in the 80s and 90s, they sounded like shit, and they kind of still do if you're really paying attention. But, but this, you're saying there were MP3s in the 80s. No, well, no, I'm okay. saying this scientist who developed the MP3 format was working on music compression since the 80s. Okay. But he developed, the MP3 was released in 1993. Okay. So that's a clue, and that gives you a timeline, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the song was like, released in 1993, yeah. but it gives you a reference point for like, what music was going on at that time. Smells like Teen Spirit. I feel like that was 94, but I'm just going to throw it out okay. there. That's, you're in the, you're in the zone, okay. you're in the ballpark, time-wise. Time-wise, Okay. Yep. I feel like you're always belittling my guesses. Um, there, there was a time that I was right. There was like one you episode were right. where I was you were right. right about pizza. Yeah, yeah you I was were right, right about twice. pizza. And when was the other time I was right? Let's just all reminisce about Let's that just talk time about I was other right. Episodes that aren't edited yet. It's fine. And you were, oh, the carrier pigeon. You were right, and then you oh, I was your right answer. about the carrier pigeon. Oh, that's yeah, true. that's right. Yeah, I'm cutting all this out, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, some '90s grunge band or Happy Birthday. Okay, that's my official answer. Got it. Okay, we'll find out after this. love and unconditional devotion to someone you know or yourself rocks make the best pets for both first-time pet owners and seasoned veterans alike each stone undergoes rigorous training and grooming to ensure that they are ready to go to their new forever home adjustable leash 
blanket and training newspapers included. The adoption certificate and colorful rock habitat allows an easy transition for your new pet. Each rock is hand-selected and sent ready to play. Each rock is unique pet, special to their new forever homes. Top review! Mine ran away! Did you know my mom actually had a pet rock as a kid? I did not know that your mother was special needs. Stop. We can't say that. I'm <laughs> you can't sorry. Say we that. can't say that. But I do want to say, okay. My mother actually had a pet rock as a child because back in the day, this was like a real thing. It wasn't just a, an no. Amazon review. Yeah. No, I, I got to call Melissa Jemula and have a little chat with her. <laughs> no, but they were like wildly popular. Well, you know what? Minute. You're yeah, lucky, yeah. Jen, that you survived since your mother's training was with rocks. I know. <laughs> you could have, it could have gone badly. Did she feed you? She just let me do my thing. I, I found food. Yeah. <laughs> she just let me scavenge. And you told us previously that you used to eat the, the food at the petting zoo. Oh, yeah. So I, oh, there's yeah. That. You, you know what? <laughs> I tried a dog biscuit. Melissa, like, we need to have a chat. I bet she listens because she's actually a very good mother. <laughs> my, brain, my brain development could have been so much better, though. Yeah, you actually are dumb as a rock. <laughs> that was a joke. I had to do it. I had to. You guys want to hear the answer? The trip trips. Yeah, sure. Yes, please. I do. Allie. I'm sorry. I wasn't eager enough. Yes, Matthew. I'm very excited. Tell me. I need attention. <laughs> do you guys know the first song that was made into an MP3? We already went over the fact that we don't know, and now you're going to tell us. What was your guess? Happy birthday. Right. Smells like Teen Spirit. Smells I'm going like to throw spirit. a new one in the ring. It's a small world after all. Whoa. Oh, did you just get it? Because his reaction was like, whoa. I know. I what is it? it? What is it? What is it? The answer is. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> That's a great the song. Theme song to match. In the morning, light my father, dead man. You gotta live your life right. Okay, yes. Yeah. I'm just like her. Thank you. The answer is Tom's Diner by Suzanne Vega. Oh. Guys, I don't even know what song that is. Can we play it right <laughs> Matt, now? Can you sing it? Because like Go I know on. you're gonna know it. I know who she is. You're Go gonna on, know it, it, and then you're gonna sing it with sing me. Sing it, Matthew. Okay. Everyone okay, I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. So why that song? So the scientist, the engineer who was it's developing, it's got a beat. You can dance to it. The engineer who was developing the MP3 algorithm or whatever, the compression, whatever, whatever, he wanted a song that was like very intimate that could capture the human voice. That's an intimate song because she sings it. Yeah, I fucked that song. No, I don't. I don't. I think the, the, her vocal track on that song is very delicate. It's very sparse. I am sitting it, on a corner. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. It's really creepy. I think part of it's acapella too. In the early algorithms, he would process the song and it would sound like like demon voices coming oh. back because it was like processing out information and data and it would sound like... So his goal was to get Suzanne Vega's voice to sound human to and natural. exercise the demons out of her voice. To exercise the okay. demons out of the MP3. Yeah. And when he arrived at the algorithm, that actually sounded good, oh. he would be like, yep, this is it. So this guy, Carl Heinz Brandenburg, is Carl the inventor Heinz or the creator of the MP3. Mm -hmm. He listened to Suzanne Vega's Tom's Diner like thousands of times. He must want to kill himself now every time that song comes on. He's like, no. He might just sing it constantly. Not only listen to it thousands of times, but like listening to like for like tiny imperfections in her voice to be like, Poor Carl. Brutal. Yeah, that guy. But now we have MP3s and iPods. So thank great. you, Carl. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for compressing. <laughs> think, yeah, because he's like sort of why we have a podcast, I guess. He's yeah, a, he's a podcast pioneer. 
Yep. Absolutely. I call a lot of people pioneers. You do. I think. You throw that word around. I just bandy it around. Everybody's a fucking pioneer. pioneer. Mm-hmm. All right. I am so excited for today's interview. Can we call him now? We're speaking with a moderator, in fact, the head moderator of the subreddit R Science, Nathan Allen. Welcome, Nate. Hello. So we'd love to kick this off by hearing in your words what R Science is and your role in it. R Science is arguably the largest internet forum related to discussing recent peer-reviewed literature, open to the public and populated by an awful lot of scientists. So it is a place where the general public can have candid, authentic conversation with real scientists. That's pretty unique. I am the head moderator, so we have a lot of people working on this. I'm not a dictator, but I tend to carry a lot of weight in discussions. And uh, I have been around for a long time. Can you tell us about your personal background? And I think something a lot of people don't realize is that moderators on these subs are are volunteers. Is that right, Nate? So you have another job, right? You better have another job and it better be in science. (laughs) So I am a PhD synthetic organic chemist. My PhD is in organolanthanide chemistry. Totally words that I've heard before. Definitely. We can play spelling bee with the lanthanide elements if you'd like. Uh, Spell dysprosium. Dysprosium. D-I-S-P-R-O-S-I-U-M. Okay, wrong. Uh, But how many letters was I off by? Not too bad. It is Boom, nailed it. Okay, so you are a serious chemist with a PH dizzle. Wonderful. So how did you personally come to the subreddit, Nate? Uh, I was working as a lab chemist, and when you're running reactions, it's a lot of set something up and let it run for a while. And you can't really walk off, so you have to just kind of sit there. And one of the things you can sit there doing is answering science questions on the internet. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) And eventually people start recognizing your username. And given some time, you start getting invited to help moderate things. So when my my first daughter was born, I uh, found that I did not have time to do other things. I had to hang around the house and make sure she was well tended. So uh, I started playing on the internet more for really looking at how we can make the science subreddit better and more engaging and more valuable to the general public. This was about five years ago. And at that point, the subreddit had degenerated into infographics and science memes and other very low quality, let's make jokes about science talk. And we wanted to bring the level of discourse up substantially. Mm -hmm. So we formulated a five-year plan to do that. I would love to dive into some of these educational initiatives that you're doing. We want to explain our understanding of the world to the general public because it is rooted in the value set of scientists that if we explain the situation as we best understand it and as unbiased as possible, that people will come to the appropriate conclusion and will be more right. We are egalitarian commutarians and we believe in the quality of people and the logical progression of picking ideas that are best for everyone. That is so optimistic because I feel like if you give the general public some facts, I don't trust that they're going to come to the right conclusion. We can have that belief and that desire, but recognize that it isn't actually true in all cases. Okay, so you you hope that if you give everyone (laughs) facts, they will draw the right conclusion, but you're aware that the general population, eh -eh, hit or miss. 
So let's touch on this. Okay. A lot of people talk about education. Education is the key. People need more education. We have all this ignorance in society. And if people were just more educated, then we wouldn't have all these problems with wrong thinking. It turns out that's demonstrably not true. Oh, dear. Education does not result in people holding correct views. Mm. It results in people becoming more uh, biased and more... But does that have to do with the type of education and who you're learning from? No. Oh, I'm going to go vomit everywhere. It's because more education gives you the tools to justify your emotional biases. Okay. So we're all screwed. So how do people come to their views? When they are initially approached with a subject that they are unfamiliar with, you don't have knowledge, you don't have an education on it, you don't really have anything to go on. So what do you do? You apply the rules that you have learned in life and from your culture. So you apply your value set in order to make a first judgment on a subject. Most people do that. Why? Because it's easier. It brings certainty. It brings conclusion. It works a lot of the time. But if you have more education, you do the same thing. You just have more tools to justify that irrational cultural value-based presumption. You're also probably a bit more indignant about people telling you that you're wrong. This is getting dark. Is the world a hopeless, scary place? There is a way out, but it involves something that scientists are not comfortable with. Which is? It's called framing. Framing is a way of introducing concepts that appeals Uh. to the listener. How are you speaking to the audience? What's the difference between a journalist and a salesman? The journalist is writing the facts and trying to be unbiased. A salesperson is being a proponent. That's the difference of framing. A salesperson is trying to get you to come to a conclusion by saying things that you first agree with. A journalist is trying to give you information. And so you think scientists approach it more journalistically and need to be more salesy? Yes, because of our value set. Right. We mm-hmm. believe that we should unbiasedly report what we have learned and people will logically come to the correct conclusion, and everyone will move forward. This is actually how science works. This is why we talk about the scientific consensus. But the real world does not operate that way. Nate, can you give us an example of how you use framing? This is probably the biggest thing I've learned in the past two to three years, is how critical it is to gauge who your audience is and speak to them in the language that they accept and can recognize. Speaking to the audience and saying things that they agree with at the start and getting them to think that you're on their side and you're one of their guys. So what's an example? When you talk about climate science to people, and this is actually a studied framing issue, there's a group at Yale University. That's where we went. A law school, interesting enough. Yes, it's a, it's a, a university that's not as good as Harvard, as I understand. <laughs> oh, ho, 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 bitch. Did you go to Harvard? Classic. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Well, then, we got to cut out all this elitist shit later. You know, you're not winning oh, us man. over as your audience. <laughs> well, no, we're probably not winning our own listeners that's over. True, I know. But... <laughs> we all sound like jerks. <laughs> okay. So, framing. As you well know, climate science is a big polarizing issue, and people think of it as a cultural debate now. And this angers us in science because it isn't, it's information. It angers me outside of science. The cultural debate 
is what do we do about it? How do we address it? The existence and causes of it should not be up for debate. But when we as scientists approach the public, we talk about here's what we're observing and we get a lot of pushback. The pushback we get are from people who are hierarchical individualists. Now, this is a bit jargony, but if you set up a axis, on one axis it's communitarian, on the other axis is individualistic, and you set a different axis at a right angle, and hierarchical and egalitarian. So hierarchical, you believe that there is a structure to society and that some people are in charge and other people obey. Egalitarian, hey, everyone has a voice, everyone's equal. Neither is right or wrong, they're just two different value sets. Communitarian, you think most about what's good for the community. Individualistic, you think mostly about what's good for the individual. So if you set up these axes and you map out people's response to climate science, you find tight groupings that predict how people vote on the subject and how they feel about the subject. Scientists fall obviously into the camp that accepts climate change is man-made because it's data-based and we've reached a consensus on this. And then we report that back to society and lo and behold, the individual hierarchical people reject it who are the diametric opposite of the value set of scientists. Not particularly shocking because we're presenting it from our value set, which is deeply offensive to the value set of the people we're talking to. The individual hierarchical people believe that the greater good is not more important than the individual good. And putting controls on petroleum and hydrocarbon emissions is something that's going to cost the individual more. And it is. They're right. So how do you frame climate science in order for people who have a completely different value set? You can't start with the data, present it, and have them come to the conclusion that something needs to be done. So what you do is talk about the massive opportunities for individuals to become entrepreneurs and make it themselves and become bigger and better, move up the hierarchy. So you speak in language and terminology that stresses individual endeavor and an opportunity to progress yourself. And what you find when you study this, people actually have a positive view of climate science when you describe it in those terms. If you describe it in terms of this is a huge threat to all of us and we all as a people need to come together and do what's best for everyone, that's rejected. So if I approach somebody with data that contradicts their value set, what brings them comfort, what are they going to do? Reject everything that makes them comfortable or find any possible reason why that data is not true? You're in it for the money. You're lying. You're part of a big conspiracy. You must be wrong. Let me figure out how to justify that. So what you need to do when you're approaching things with a framing attitude is you need to make sure you need to reach out with your empathy and understand where people are coming from and not say things that challenges their worldview when you present something that should not be challenging their worldview. I love this. Is framing a discussion in the scientific community right now? And is it a, dis a discussion that's happening on the sub? It is not enough of a discussion. Scientists grew up talking to other scientists. We're very good at making the passionate, egalitarian, commutarian, value-based arguments, because that's what we do all the time. We're born and bred to make that argument. 
And when we get in a situation where those arguments don't work, we've never thought about other arguments to make and other ways of putting things. So part of what we're doing in our science is training people and having discussions and learning how to talk to the public in a way that engages them and does not dismiss their deeply held values, which aren't wrong, they're just different. What are your views on, or uh, the scientific community's views, as you know, on uh, science salespeople like Bill Nye or Neil deGrasse Tyson or outlets like I fucking love science? Mixed messages on that, right? On one hand, it goes against our values set and we despise it. Uh, Bill Nye, technically not a scientist, he's an engineer. Idiot. And, uh, <laughs> Go on, go on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so Neil deGrasse Tyson is not actually a practicing scientist, right? It's not to say he's wrong. It's not to say he doesn't understand science. He does have a degree in it. But these people start getting couched in this, their own celebrity and self-promotion. I fucking love science. What they do, they are a Facebook entity that does clickbait headlines. And it deeply bothers the value set of scientists that one needs to dress up scientific discoveries in clickbaity headlines in order to get attention. But that's actually the reality of internet journalism these days. And we've tried to take a middle ground in our science because we have such a big subscriber base. So we have scientists making judgments on whether or not the representation of a scientific story is hyperbole or accurate so that when our readership finds something, they're being brought on with an accurate depiction of what it is so that when big news does come out, we can say, hey, this is big news and people can know it's big news. All right. Well, I could talk to you for seven hours, but let's move on to some of your favorite AMAs, the best or biggest or most interesting, whatever you want to tell us about. And also, Nate, you established the AMAs on our science. Is that right? That is correct. So well done, sir. We talked about it for a long time and nobody actually got around to doing anything. Remember what I was saying about scientists not being comfortable doing the sales pitch and yes. approaching people? <laughs> yep. That includes cold calling prominent scientists and saying, hey, you've never heard of this internet site, but you want to come talk on the internet? So this and is what you had go? to, yeah, right. yeah, how's it going? <laughs> Our thinking was, if you can open a discourse between the general public and scientists, you can, and here's a fancy SAT word, disintermediate. If you see scientists say, scientists no longer become people, they become a group, they become us versus they, they become part of something that is completely separated. This is part of the reason why we hate shows like the Big Bang Theory, because it's nerd blackface. Oh, yeah. That show is such a stereotype. It's insane to me that it's allowed on the air, but that's a personal opinion. We don't want scientists to be viewed as non-citizens, as people that are different than, we don't know how that works, and oh, we don't know how the scientists came to that conclusion. Labeling something as the other is a way of dismissing it. We want scientists to be us. They're just like us. <laughs> you know, it's if you have a conversation on the internet, and it turns out there have been a couple studies that when people talk on the internet and the friendships they form, playing, you know, MMOs, online games, those friendships are processed neurologically the same way friendships in real life are. This whole you need to get out in the world and make real friends thing has no basis in actual fact. Oh, that breaks my heart. That, nope, I'm going to disagree there, even though I'm not a scientist, but continue. 
it's it's important to realize this because the conversations you have in an AMA, even though it's you and 50,000 of your closest friends talking to a scientist, your brain logs it as, I had a personal conversation with this person. This is not a PR lawyer went over this and it's, we're trying to get just the right thing. So all of our listeners think we're besties now? I hope so. You know, I listen to podcasts and the people who I've been listening to podcasts to for years and years, you know, Leo Laporte, I feel like I know the man. The man does not know me at all. But I feel like I know them because I've listened to them talk. So but you much. know that you don't, right? Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, there's, cool. and I, I, I know little tidbits and, you know, you hear things and find out things and you see that the things that people present to themselves, to the public is one persona and that's not necessarily them. It is a facet of them and it has to be part of them, but it's acting in a lot of ways. And we know how actors are. Scandalous. Can trust them. <laughs> okay, so tell us about some of the most interesting AMAs. Okay, so most interesting AMAs. It depends on how you judge it as interesting. I know, I know. So and scientific over <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm but, asking for know, some subjectivity here. Subjectivity. Can't oh help God. you there. Uh, <laughs> interesting ones. A fun one we set up that took 18 months to set up is the Monsanto AMA. Oh, shit. So we had uh, one of the head scientists of Monsanto come and do an AMA. And he said- They let credit, him? That's crazy. I, w I would just think it, Monsanto wouldn't let him. Did I mention 18 months to get this? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I had to have numerous meetings and we had to convince people that it was an okay thing for them to do because I don't think they're wrong in being cautious. They're not dumb. I've worked in the corporate world for 15 years. I know how to speak the language of corporate risk aversion and how to say it's not going to be out of hand. Here are all the things we do to make sure that the conversation remains civil. We're not going to protect you from hard questions but we will keep people from just swearing at you, which is not a valuable thing in a conversation. So after a while, they were able to get that together and he came in and did it. And he told us, no, I don't want you removing anything. I'll answer any question. We have nothing to hide. And he wow. did. We had thousands of comments and he answered hundreds of them. And there were some hard, hard questions that came up. Like what? Uh, the genetic GMOs are, you know, problematic and bad for the environment. And he said, yeah, we know there are problems and we know this is not a solution. This was a solution for an immediate problem. We know it won't last. We're working on the next solution. Uh, they know exactly where they are in the world and what the problems with uh, the strategies they have. But what I think is lesser understood by the general public because it turns out there's more people that play Farmville than there are farmers in the world. Farmers don't hate Monsanto. Monsanto has been highly successful because farmers love Monsanto and they love their products. When Roundup Ready crops came out, soybeans and corn, the farmers talk about those being the good old days because farming just got so easy. You didn't have to do so much work to get a good harvest. They didn't have all this risk on whether or not their crop was going to fail or they couldn't bring it to market. Like this, is, this was exactly what they wanted. But people who aren't farmers and don't see the massive benefits of that, they 
take it and process it emotionally. And it's a purity violation to them, which is one of the base emotional reactors. Uh, people respond to it with the disgust response and say, oh, my food's now impure and it's been tainted. Well, not really, but you're arguing facts versus emotions and you're always going to lose that. What has been one of your personal favorite AMAs? We've recently done a whole week of AMAs regarding transgender health and reality. We try to bring in really challenging AMAs for the general public, things that address topics that are controversial, where knowing kind of the facts and knowing where the researchers are and knowing, being able to quiz the researchers on how they came to that knowledge is very valuable. If it was just some, something like, you know, how ducks drink water. Interesting, <laughs> but not very important. Do you know how ducks drink water? No idea. Their bills? I know about duck sex and it's weird. Duck sex is weird. The duck penis is a fascinating subject. Yes, yes it is. But we can't go there because there's been too many tangents and I want to hear about the trans AMA. But okay, how do ducks drink water? Through their butts. (laughs) Through their butts? (laughs) That's delightful. Oh my God. That's not even gross. It's just great. We don't have that much time left with you so I want to hear about the AMAs but when we hang up with him we're going to muse on duck butt drinking. Duck butts, okay. Transgender AMAs. So we set up a whole week of them. And as you might well understand, transgender issues are not well accepted in our society now. They're highly polarizing. You know, a fair number of people think that it's not a real thing and that it's a psychological problem. However, this is not in keeping with modern understanding of how the condition is resulted. It turns out it's a developmental issue where testosterone levels in the mother's womb at a certain point uh, changed brain development. And because of those causes, and and we don't know exactly what causes it, but your brain develops with one sex dimorphism and your body and your genetics are a different one. We can't change the way your brain is put together, but we can change your genitalia. That is our understanding. This is the scientific consensus on what the issue is. It is not a mental illness situation. Who was the AMA with? Well, we had five of them. I know there was a doctor at the University of Rochester Medical College who specializes in transgender care. She does sex change operations. And we had people talking about the psychology of it. We had people talking about all these issues. And boy, people came out. And some people were like, thank you so much for doing this. Some people were accusing us of being politically biased and pushing normalization of mental illness and the idea that this is a real developmental physiological condition really upset a lot of people. Was there anything in particular amongst those AMAs that surprised you as well? What we mostly dealt with and my major emphasis on the AMAs were how to manage the civility of them. How do we make sure that people aren't just in a flame war constantly and a a civil conversation is going on? We also have an issue with the free speech people who think that they should have free speech to say whatever they want, no matter how insulting it is. And while they should be able to do that, they should not be able to do that with no consequences. So what we do is in order to present a controversial topic, we need to have people who cannot control their emotions 
on a subject, demonstrate it to us so that we can make sure that they are removed from the conversation before the conversation. How do we do this is we have a post before the AMAs. Oh, this is sneaky. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Where we present that we're going to do this. And I come up with a particularly emotionally motivating headline and say a few things that are a little bit more controversial. Because so you almost people... do some backwards intentional framing. Yes, exactly. I do things that will upset people or push them just a little bit to where they will fly off the handle in our presentation post. Sounds like clickbait. It sounds like clickbait. Yeah. Clickbait. <laughs> we, we bait them. We bait them into losing their... Shit. <laughs> their bit, losing everything on us. And it turns out that it accomplishes two things. Number one, hey, we now know this account cannot restrain themselves from completely losing their mind. So guess who's gone from the conversation? The other thing is people get upset with us. They get upset with the mod team because you're literally Hitler. But in order to... Hitler did a few other things. <laughs> they get so angry at the mod team and the mod team's an easy target, but we can handle it. You know, people have emotional energy and willpower. And if they get all upset about something, something that comes right after it, they've burnt out all their emotion and all their disgust and all their anger Interesting. on that first thing. And they don't have the willpower typically to go after the thing after it. They don't target our guests. And that's a legitimate concern on our part. We had a AMA from a woman at Georgia Tech, a professor, who designed a curriculum to educate young men, and this is particularly pertinent right now, given the climate, to reduce the instances of sexual assault on campus. Boy, people got pissed. We educated you know, incoming freshmen as to what situations might occur and what the consequences of their actions, if wrongly done, might be. And lo and behold, it reduced the instances reported by surveys of sexual assault on campus. So it worked. Hypothesis test worked. What was the response to her AMA? Women do it too. How dare you, uh, you know, pre-convict men of doing this? How dare you treat young men as, as they're guilty before they do anything? And then people started calling her office and leaving hostile messages on her voicemail. Oh, my God. Just kill me. Every time the subject of rape comes up on Reddit, we invariably hear about how, oh, men get raped, too. Like, yeah, that does happen. But let's not confuse what the issue is. One can look at this and take a step back and say, all right, do we have a framing problem here? damn, this is a hard framing problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because there should be certain subjects you should just be able to be like, hey, this is a problem and everyone should agree, right? Yeah, right. that's the right. saddest thing in the world. Yeah. We have to go, but I do have one more question that I really want to ask, okay. but it's going to be a whole yeah. can of worms, but I do think it's really important for this podcast is the rise of this faux internet expert. So the idea, the internet has created a landscape in which people can have a strong opinion and a lot of followers and then they are somehow an expert expert. And it's like an erosion of the idea of actually studying and researching and gaining knowledge and becoming an expert. And so I just love to hear your thoughts on that. It's the internet PhD, right? Mm -hmm. So this has been studied. Random internet comments bias what people believe is truth. 
regardless of whether or not that person has any basis in any knowledge. It's statistically relevant. I mean, meaningful population. Believe random comments on the internet from anonymous commentators more than they believe press releases from the CDC. This is the worst interview. (laughs) I say that with love. I say that with love. But there's just been so many bombs dropped in this interview. I'm going to go kill myself. I like to be quotable. Uh, Is it the skepticism that people uh, have with bigger organizations? Or what what is that all about? That's exactly what it is, is government lies to us. Government's in it for themselves. Government's trying to control us. Random internet commentator has nothing going on, so maybe he's telling the truth. This is how anti-vaxxers came to prominence as well. So how do you counter this? Is there no way for it? It turns out if you have these anonymous commentators have vetted, you know, flair or are listed as I'm a doctor, people hold those comments and believe those comments more than they do the anonymous, unflared comments. So if you do a good job of saying this person is actually an authority on this, those comments will trump the know-nothing comments. And that's what we do in our science. Nate, can you um, explain what Flare is on Reddit? Yeah. So Flare is a I've got Small flair. Flat. So many pieces of flair. It's it's absurd. Matt has a lot I of have, flair in this recording studio. I have studio. a whole <laughs> costume wardrobe of flair. So many tutus. Okay, continue. Uh, you've seen Office Space, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> flair on, on our science is a little bit of text next to your username. Next to mine, it says PhD Organic Chemistry. We have 7,000 people who have flair in our science that tells the general public this person has proved that they possess this degree. It does not say their comment is right or wrong. It just says, here is a factual bit that has been third-party verified that says, hey, this you can count on. You are talking to somebody who has a PhD in astrophysics. That feels like a good place to wrap it up. People Mm -hmm. of the internet and of the world, all of you listening, look out for that flair. Well, this has been delightful. I feel like we learned a lot. All right, Nate, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And now a true life misconnection as recounted on Craigslist.org entitled Barnes and Noble Girl W4W in Clifton, New Jersey. Let's watch, won't you? And by watch, I mean listen. Hi, this is a shot in the dark, but I asked if I could sit next to you at Barnes and Noble. You were working on your laptop. You asked me if your croissant was burnt. We laughed a little bit, had small talk a few times, and as you packed up, left you walked away, it seemed like you wanted me to ask for your number. (laughs) I did, (laughs) but I wasn't sure if we were both feeling the same thing. I would love to see you again. In, In fact, I would love to ask you out on a date. Tell me what (sighs) stickers were on your laptop, so I know it's really you. When was the last time you were in a Barnes & Noble, Allie? Um, 1992. (laughs) What are are books? No, that's just kidding. That was unlike I'm kidding. You. you know, I love, you love books. fucking books. Um, but you read on the you Kindle. You love fucking books. Oh I love yeah! Fucking, I'm wow. Just, that, I'm just so book into books. Smell. I just gotta Gets fuck them. Uh, fuck um, them. Here's what I want: yeah. uh, Audible to sponsor this show, <laughs> and then you guys read audiobooks. Like, wouldn't Ooh. it? How awesome would it be for you guys to like read Malcolm Gladwell? 
I mean, how awesome would that be for our audience? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait, so you're you saying guys... the ad is an entire book? No, no. I'm saying I want to tell my uh, Amazon Alexa to read me Malcolm and Gladwell and it's you. Ugh. I want to do all the kids ones. Right. Yeah. But then you just drop F-bombs in there and stuff. Fuck this book. <laughs> I'm going to corner the self-help market. Oh, I don't know. Oh, there I know you go. Really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to do all the weird voices. I want to play like the chicken and the frog. <laughs> That's what I want to do in like a kid's book. Chicken That'd be so much fun. <laughs> a frog. Yeah, you'd be better at the frog. Speaking of frogs, let's talk about science. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about like Tinder. No. So speaking of frogs. No. You know? Well, that's toads. That's you got to kiss a lot of toads sort of thing. Well, that's literal. Uh, that's figurative. I'm talking about literal. Because when I was in biology class, I refused to dissect the frog, guys. Uh, I oh. had one of those people. Paper frog where we like cut out the organs out of paper. Why and- did you object? Was it like a moral thing? And that's yeah, it was mostly. <laughs> Jen is dumb as a rock. <laughs> Just kidding. I had to bring it back to the ads. She thinks frogs are made out of paper. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't. I. It was like a, it was a moral thing at the time, but it was mostly because I was in high school taking like a high ground like that. Right, it felt right, more right. natural at that time. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> I could totally see you doing that. That's yeah. inhumane. Inhumane. And then I mean, you went, it is. Then you went and you ate so a chicken sandwich that. at lunch. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <Ate frog legs. laughs> yeah. Oh man. Anyway. Yeah. That interview love it love it this whole idea of framing is something like you said well we that we do all the time think about, about yeah. but how i'm just curious about like how you really put yourself in somebody else's shoes i guess you just need to think about what they could where they could be coming from well it was interesting that his approach to it was so scientific and analytical yes. that yes. these these type of people here's what will work and resonate with them right interesting the little things that they're doing though to like weed out the trolls what he was saying about like pre-conversations I yeah, think I never oh thought gosh. to do that that somebody could exhaust an emotional response in the first go and then they won't come in as strong the second time it's interesting how manipulative it is yeah but yeah Nate Nate was awesome and yeah oh and there was something else we were going to talk about when we were done with him duck butts oh ducks you- drink from their Okay, we're just going to guess how that works, right? We don't have any scientific knowledge That's of this. how it works. Gosh, and I already knew about duck dicks being fucking crazy and duck yeah. sex. We don't even have to get into it. You should go Google duck sex and duck dicks because it's nuts. But I didn't know that their asshole was nuts too. But also, a lot of birds have cloacas where it's one hole. Oh, Forgot to ask him, is it one ducks. hole? We didn't, no, it can't be. Because that'd be crazy because if it was one hole, that means out of one Everything hole, is happening. they pee, poop, fuck, and drink water. Yeah. I doubt I it's get, one hole. Why don't they use their mouths? <laughs> they have mouths. But see, no, this that is the problem. That feels like it would be better. We're anthropomorphizing these animals like we're like mouths. It's it's a bill, right? right we're bill. saying they have butts, they but it's should... like a weird, it has some other name. But, yeah, but all can... other birds drink water from their bills. bills or yeah, beaks. also yeah. this yeah. means that ducks drinking water is contaminated with feces. How is that healthy? Our drinking water has Can you imagine? Oh. <laughs> Oh, that that was a damper. <laughs> Does it? Can you imagine if we all drank out of the toilet? That's what's happening. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I guess they do that anyway, drinking out of the lake where all oh. the other animals and humans have peed and pooed. Yeah. I like ducks. Anyway, science. <laughs> I like ducks. <laughs> Said Jen. I have a personal whose mother cared for a rock, a rock and then Jen. I'm really Hi. sorry if your mom listens to this because I actually no, really like your mom. I have duck guilt. I have duck guilt. Because what? <laughs> Did you murder a duck? Yes. 
Okay, tell the story. But also, I, I really do actually like eating duck now that I'm thinking about it. So No, it's just super quick and it's not gross. But when I was growing up, we used to visit ducks at the museum. We'd be like, let's go see the ducks. And we'd feed them bread. And then like years later, there were signs up that said like all these ducks died because of people feeding them bread. They would like choke on it. And you weren't allowed to feed them the bread anymore. Once again, this reminds me of you eating the animal crackers know, at the guys, zoo. I and by like... animal crackers, we mean the crackers intended for the animals. I sound like a cretin. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, we fed ducks bread, bread when at the pond. Up, we that like, was a big um, thing for thing us. Of, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, well, the thing that people you know do. what, Jen? I don't think that the bread harmed the ducks. I don't think you have to lie awake at night for that. Thanks, Maybe Allie. the ducks ate too much bread. There are stories about how, like, goats, if you give them too much food, they just eat till they explode or oh. something insane. I thought you were just they, saying like, they, like, don't know when they're full. I thought you were just saying the ducks got, like, obese and they were like, we gotta stop. <laughs> it might be. Maybe. Maybe the ducks just got really unhealthy from fly. all the white bread. Yeah. <laughs> Start giving them multigrain or something. Yeah. Anyway. Give them some nutrition. Yeah, then they have better poops. <laughs> better poops and better poops means better, better drinks. Drinking water. Better yeah. drinks. Mm-hmm. Circle of life. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Uh, so we sound like idiots right now who are not <laughs> oh, actually sorry, commenting guys. on any of the wonderful, wonderful things yeah. that our sir scientist told us about. Right. Actually, something small that I think people can do that I thought of. Yes. You know, I've seen a lot of people post Facebook statuses about climate change and being like, this is such an important issue. We all need to care about it. It affects us all. They may have deniers on their feed. And so actually, Okay, so you listener, if you are posting about any of these issues, maybe think about the way that you're framing them so that maybe you could actually reach some people. So instead of posting about climate change, Mm -hmm. as we should all do this, but posting about the entrepreneurial opportunities. I love that. Well, we have to get going, uh, but we would love to hear from you. And there are many ways for you to do that. In particular, what we would love to hear about based on today's conversation is a time when you feel like you successfully altered somebody's view on something. You disagreed with them. You were able to present some evidence and maybe they came to a new way of thinking. Tiny wins. Tiny wins. Um, So email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. I'm Allie Gold at A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. And you can call us at 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. Leave us a voicemail. If you leave us a voicemail, we may play it on the show. It would be our joy. And last but not least, please share the show, even if you share it with one person who then decides they don't hate the sound of my voice. I feel like Jen's voice is melodious. Uh, Thank then- you, Allison. <laughs> um, okay, so just even one person, just share it. I, but in all seriousness, yeah. I know that I'm jokey joking all the time. It's very helpful for us really when is. you share the show. And when you share it, include the hashtag uh, 2G1P and we'll be able to find your conversations. Yeah. All right, guys, it's been real. Really Thank real. you. Have a See good ya. one. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg and is reassembled from the chaos of, I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by thepodglomerate.com. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. You can tweet about this podcast using the hashtag 2G1P, assuming Twitter is still a thing by the time this comes out. Great news! You can listen to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two Two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. (laughs) Your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait. What's the catch? There's no catch. Tune in lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. 
one week before anywhere else, absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm going to listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're going to say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Uh, Sorry. What? Is- <laughs> I was getting it. I was getting it. Sorry, it was really abrupt.